everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back. This is your go-to place for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. I love these conversations that we have each week with amazing, inspiring guests, and today is no exception. I am with Sue Duffield. She is a speaker, a singer, a humorist, and I love her book, Subiquitous. She talks candidly about faith and humor. It's been quoted as saying it's an all over the place stage to page journey only God could orchestrate. A hilarious adventure that will have you laughing, crying, and experiencing the supernatural. And I promise you some laughs today and couldn't we all use them. Sue's 46-year ministry is going just as strong today, bringing her faith-filled music, her humor, her spirit-led message to a whole new generation of women. This Jersey girl transplant lives in Hendersonville, Tennessee, rides a Harley, is an avid social media junkie, and is foremost an advocate for abused women and children worldwide. Her brand new podcast, Subiquitous, has just been released. Her husband, Jeff, is an accomplished musician and pianist, hats off to Jeff, produces and arranges for many inspirational and country music artists. Their love for Jesus is absolutely contagious. I'll put this in my show notes, but make sure you visit her website at Sue duffield.com well welcome sue i'm so glad you are here today oh i can't be i can't be more gladder is that is that is that i am more glad than you i am more glad than you what is that old song i'm so glad, I'm glad Jesus is to be. But, oh don't let's get us started they already know i'm old they already know i'm old as dirt well i'm reading it i'm like she's 47 wait no, no, that's no, not. No. <laughs> we, we both wish we were 47. Wait, the 47 oh. ship has passed, long sailed. Oh, long well, long I know you, Sue, well. I mean, I feel like I've known you forever. I don't even know how long I I've know. known you. We've you know what? I'll tell you how long it's been. It's how? almost been 20, almost 25 years, I think. So our probably original connection was you guys with our former pastors, the Bosnians, That's correct. Right? That's right. That's right. Were you their worship pastor? Was, was Jeff? We were. You Jeff were for was a while. worship pastor, yep, in Elkton, Maryland for, well, almost uh, six years. And then uh, we met you, but I knew about you before because you're, ve- you're, 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 you're very, very well known. Oh, you're so gracious. We, ble- <laughs> we bleed AG. We bleed as someone's a God. For those of you that don't know us, if you cut us, we bleed AG. So- I, have, I have a tattoo on my shoulder, whatever. <laughs> But no, let me tell you how I really, 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 really really knew you. And it's through Jeff because Jeff always has this way of finding great piano players. Mm. And he being one himself heard you play somewhere. And he said, oh my gosh, you got to listen to Angela. She's got a great, here's an old fashioned word. Oh, I love her touch. Her touch. I like that. (laughs) I can walk in church. Well, when currently, whenever we go back to having church, we just started back yesterday. We don't have a lot of musicians back yet, but I can walk in and tell who's on bass by what you're saying, by their touch. 
yep. because it's a different way of playing. And it is. Jeff is a phenomenal musician. You both are amazing musicians. And so well, <laughs> I've known you forever, but for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about kind of where you are, what your arc of ministry has been. And then y'all, we don't know where this conversation is going to go. Know. So just put on know. your seatbelt and buckle a little <laughs> tighter than normal. And here we go. Here we go. Well, <laughs> let, let me take you back to 1968. Okay. Here's okay. Jeff Duffield, my husband. We're both Jersey people. We grew up South Jersey, which is a whole lot different than North Jersey. Mm. But we, we grew up in a rural area of farming, a uh, very blue collar area. And for Jeff to just suddenly bust out of Cumberland County with this amazing gift that he plays, uh, he took lessons from Reinhold Frecke. He was a German teacher. Mm. He was a German teacher. And he said, I will teach you how to play. So he played and uh, learned incredible classical music at the age of 10 years old. But then transitioned because his little Assembly of God church needed a piano player when the other piano player left the church because she was mad at the pastor. Mm. Yeah. Welcome here to the church. Hey, welcome welcome the church. to the craziness of church. <laughs> I've been pastoring for 30 years. It's the best thing on the planet, but boy, yeah. does it have its oh, I know. moments. So, yep. So he... His father, I think it was on a Wednesday night where, you know, the, 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 the piano player did not show up. And here he is at 11 years old, only taking lessons, but he's been reading. And um, his dad said, sit down and play the piano. We don't have a piano player today. So that was his introduction to playing wow. the church. But one thing that happened that was, I think, a very spiritual thing that happened with this wonderful a teacher. He taught him not only to play by reading music, but also by hearing and by playing by ear. So mm -hmm. that translated into later, uh, I discovered this kid playing the piano and I started singing in my little church, which was 30 miles north of that. We both met at a youth camp in Pleasant Grove, New Jersey. If anybody's listening that knows where Hackettstown, it was called Pleasant Grove Camp, which is now, I think, a YMCA camp. We all went to camp back then. Jeff hated mm. camp. I love camp. And this is funny. I wrote a letter home to my parents, and this is what I said. You know, I thought I was all that. You know, I'm singing, man. I'm 13 years old. I'm like, oh, I'm just, there's nobody better than me, you know, with this attitude. And I see this kid playing the piano, and I'm thinking, oh, that's what I need. I need somebody to play for me. So I wrote a letter to my parents and I said, I met this kid. Now Jeff was playing an accordion too, which is kind of a funny story. But I said, I met this kid named Jeffrey Dunsfield and he unfortunately brought his accordion. And I said, <laughs> I said, I went up to him and I said, wow, you play really well. I know you're only 13. And he responded and said, well, the talent I have, I really owe to the Lord. And I thought, oh, good grief, he's spiritual too. <laughs> so, but I thought, you know, this might work in my favor. So let's transfer and let's just go way ahead a couple of decades. Uh, Jeff and I got married right out of, out of high school. We, we traveled with a singing group in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee called the Sammy Hall Singers, one of the very first CCM groups on the East Coast. You know, it takes almost what they say, four to five years for all the music on L.A. And, and on the West Coast to finally transfer over. So during that time, Andre Crouch, Danny Lee and the Children of Truth and mm. uh, Honey Tree and all of those groups were out there. 
and uh, and slowly that influence was coming east. And we were proud to say that in 1973 we were one of the first CCM groups um, with with some sort of notoriety back in that day. Mm. But here and now here we are. We've never deviated, Angela, from wow. music and and uh, ministry. We've been on staff at two churches. Um, doing women's ministry, having fun with that, but traveling about a hundred, hundred dates a year. And now what, what changed it all though, was in 2008 for me, when I finally made the distinction, when somebody said to me, you know, you ought to, I, we know you sing Sue, but you know what? You're kind of funny. Hmm. <laughs> and why don't you put on your promo that you're a humorist or comedian? I changed that. And then that was, that was a difference. So then hmm. I had churches and events calling me to come and do comedy and humor. And then when I would sing, they'd go, wait, we didn't know you sang. Wow. So you <laughs> so, basically found an entirely new audience at it with a new, with a new lens on your ministry. Right. And but I think you, it, but you did radio before then, right? But that yeah. I guess people didn't necessarily equate that with being a humorist. No, because it was an oldies radio station. Okay. Although it, it was fun. WNRK, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, Newark, Delaware. I was on for 10 years there. And which is another crazy story because, you know, we're talking in a very formative time where Christian, the church sometimes had a hard time really making the distinction whether or not, oh, is this worldly? Is that worldly? And, and you can work a secular job, Angela, and never have anybody say anything, but God forbid I, as a Christian, worked in secular radio, mm. and I got a lot of criticism for that. In fact, I had many people say, I don't know how she spins the oldies on a Friday and then Sunday sings the worship songs, Ugh. but that was during a time, that was yeah. during a time where I had, to, I had to fight that a little bit, but now it's actually something that's uh, quite favorable, especially for the younger set. You know, and we need, take... we need to be in the marketplace. We're oh, supposed to be yeah, everywhere. Yeah. God calls us to be everywhere. How many albums do you have, Sue? Because I kind of, I, I have a few, but I'm trying to think when you were saying that, I don't even know how many you have. Oh my. Do you know how many you have? Or between no. you and Jeff combined? Well, if we've been, we've been doing this 47 years. We've probably had over the years, probably at least 30 albums that we've done. Wow. Yeah. And not all of them are, like I say, we didn't do the distribution thing. Most of that was, was all pure independent, as we would call indie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because he does so well at it, it was almost like, although we did have a few writers that worked with us, which was great. The influence then, of- When was your song, LOL? Because was that in this yeah. kind of transition into being a humorist? <laughs> did you write that with the intention of, okay, I'm branding myself as a humorist. I need- it, it reminded me of the Anita Renfro song. Uh, oh, yeah. Da -da 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 you know what I'm talking about? The oh, one she's that goes, brilliant. Yeah. 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 Well, it probably came at about the same time when we decided that the serendipish kind of a thing that we could use in the kingdom is so, so needed right now, mm. especially. And now... I wrote that in 2009. So what, what is that? That's 11 years ago. Uh, the whole song is based on texting. The whole song is based on three-letter acronyms or three-letter words. And I just sat down one night, in fact, in the middle of the night, woke up and started writing all these LOL, ROFL, all, you know, all these 
things that these kids use and, and what it really happened, it's like your kids are so brilliant technologically. Mm -hmm. Mine are too in a little older phase in their thirties. I had to ask Annie one day, what, what is, what does TMI mean? Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know. And yeah. so, you know, but I just compiled the whole song. The whole song is nothing but three letter words or three letter acronyms. And to you and I both know that there is a fine line on how you can either perform comedy or make something funny. And so it was, it was like me going from the stage to page in my book. I had to think in terms of how I would deliver a story live and translate that to the page. So how mm -hmm. I would deliver comedy and music would have to, it would have to translate and it would have to be creative enough to, to keep their attention. So, you know, and it definitely does. If can, can people find, where can they find that song? Oh yeah. They sure can find right now. Like, where is that song? <laughs> Where is the LOL song? <laughs> Go get the LOL. They can get it on iTunes. They can look up Sue Duffield on iTunes. LOL is there. And I think there's also uh, some, uh, all the streaming sites like um, Spotify. Spotify, and all of that. Have it too. I had to ask my son maybe a year ago, what was FOMO? Fear of missing out. Oh, see, I, right. I, I'm, I'm over 50. I don't know. I have, it's hard. I have a son who speaks, he's 20 and my daughter's 23. So it keeps you kind of like tethered no. to these newfangled things, but no. yeah. And so talk about, you mentioned your book stage to page. So talk about the book, ubiquitous, the name, what yeah. was your thought behind it and, and kind okay. of where you wanted that message of the book to go. You know, you, Angela, are creative, so you understand this. We're always trying to find one title words. Uh, John Maxwell says some of the most memorable, uh, what he would call shelf life books, are usually one word titles. And so I was trying to think of a spoonerism of my name, and one day one, one person said to me, Oh my gosh, Sue, you're just ubiquitous. And I, I really had to look up the word because I didn't know what it meant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I get on my, my computer and I look up the word ubiquitous and it says to be all over the place was one of the, one of the definitions. And another definition was to, be, to become surrounded so much so that you're just enveloped. And I thought, that really? That's me. Mm -hmm. I'm all, and I'm all over the place. I have ADD. So is that in the LOL? And oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. Oh my god. And like that. And yeah. <laughs> my my favorite one is OMG, I'm the G A L who's AKA to give her A L L. Jesus, he's my CEO because he's my living H2O. <laughs> I mean, you know, some one person said I sing it too fast. They said, slow it down so we can get all of it. Oh, whatever. Listen to it again, people. Again. Right, so I interrupted oh. you. I interrupted you. Oh, no, you. that's okay. What was so, I saying? So ubiquitous. You look it up. You're all over the place. Oh. You're ADD. Yeah. So I'm on a Haiti trip with my girlfriend, Tammy Heim. You got to have her as a guest. She's amazing. Oh, Gloria, another, we've talked about this before. We, we know so many of the same people, but yet we can put people in our lives that are so valuable. Tammy says to me, oh, there's your title for your book. I said, ubiquitous? She said, no. Subiquitous, and I went. And I said, part. I know, and I said it makes sense. So I meet. She says you have to brand that, and you have to register that right this minute. 
So we got on a computer, I forget where we were, and she knew all how to do that, and I paid. And you know, whenever you write the word subiquitous, which is spelled S-U-E-B-I-Q-U-I-T-O-U-S, the only thing that comes up is me. And that's what mm. you want in the social media world of yep. connection. So that's how it started. And then I needed a subtitle and the subtitle ended up being, which was when my editor, she said, Sue, you're just, you're, she had to hone me in on all of my chapters. Every chapter is a name, a spoonerism of my name, like Sue Round, Superb. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have to say, I am, I was just blessed to be uh, matched up with Beth Bates, who was a comedy writer. Hmm. and she read my original draft and she called me and she said okay and I thought oh boy I'm gonna get dissected and I'm gonna have a bloodletting going on here right mm -hmm. so because I'm a first-time writer I'm not a first-time performer I'm not a first-time uh you know announcer but I did not want this book to be anything but just pure and real and me and so Beth Bates responds and she says, okay, I've been editing books for 25 years. She says, all you need is just a couple of little tweaks here and there. She said, but I'm leaving it alone. Oh, and wow. I thought that was so, that was so honorable. Now, why does it take me every seven years to write a book? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not like a book of the month club. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's but tough. I am. I am working on a, not a sequel, but I am working on a more mature, more of a mature direction with the next one. Uh, but yet I still cling, Angela, I cling to that process that there is nothing like laughter that opens up the soul. Hmm. Nothing. I mean, music is wonderful and it does its thing, but laughter does a couple of things cognitively. Hmm. Your brain talks to your your, your inner ear and then your inner ear also, and this is proven by one of my friends who's into all this. It talks to the, the throat, which, which was also makes you, when you laugh, there's a whole different convulsion of emotions and endorphins that are released. Mm. And be it like God, be it like God to create laughter as one of the best expressions of worship. Mm. And so I've been going through this process of, uh, doing some research more and more and more. And that's probably where I'm going to go in that direction of just exactly how people literally have seen healing as a result of laughter. And I've never heard you say, I've never heard anyone say that laughter is an expression of worship. And I'm, I absolutely love that. And I'm going to give you an illustration to what you're saying. So I was in a bad car accident in February of this I year and awful. I had a concussion as a pianist. I had damage to both hands and wrists and had surgery. It's just been an ordeal. But part of that was they wanted me to see a neurologist for some ongoing issues with, with my head. Right. <laughs> Not that I wasn't messed up before. All I needed was a concussion. <laughs> All you needed was the confirmation. <laughs> We already knew it. I want to get a t-shirt that says, I'm concussed. So whatever I do that's wrong, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm concussed. Like, how, you want to think, how long can I milk this? <laughs> and I'm totally like, those of you that have had a concussion, please, I am, oh. not, I am not minimizing. I I've been there. I'm, no, I'm, I'm no, in the pain too. of it. So, but I, so they said, we want you to see a neurologist. I get into this great neurologist, totally highly respected in Northern Virginia. I had to drive an hour one way. So, you know, yeah. I'm determined. Right. 
okay, Sue, so he says, we're going to put you through this program. I'm in the middle of it as we speak. And we're going to hook your brain with electrolytes up to a computer, up to a TV. Oh my. You're going to watch an episode of something that you like. Right. On Netflix. They pull up Netflix. And then every time your brain waves are not operating at the function, it's some high tech, they're Harvard Medical School, whatever. Sure. Whenever your brain waves are not doing what they're supposed to do, the screen is going to dim. And I'm thinking it's going to dim a couple times. And I think I pulled up The Office, an episode of The Office. Sue is constantly dim light, dim light, dim light. I was like, that was enough to give me a headache on a good day. But here's what's interesting to speak to what you're saying. Every time I laughed, the screen went bright. Mm-hmm. So that really, and I said that to the, the person that I met with afterwards, I said, you know what I found interesting? And I thought maybe it was a, a fluke. And I wasn't like, ha ha ha, like fake. I mean, I was genuinely laughing at the episode and it would just lit and it would stay lit, which told me something powerful about the effect that laughter was having on my physical brain. See? Yeah, that's so right. So to speak to what you're saying, we all know it makes us feel better, releases endorphins, yeah. but something is physically happening mm-hmm. when you laugh. And my goodness, don't we need laughter in oh, the world, Sue? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that Jeff and I do, and we love this, is going into uh, senior centers and also uh, nursing facilities. And we did one event at Emily Bissell Hospital, which is a mental hospital just outside of Wilmington, Delaware. And we were warned that if you come in and sing, that a lot of the patients will be yelling and screaming. They don't have control. Mm. Um, They may laugh, they may not. Um, This was the dementia ward. This was also an Alzheimer's ward. Well, something happened that day and we got laughing about something silly and we got singing these silly songs and there were at least five or seven, at least five to seven of them around us. And then the staff was behind them. And these wonderful, godly angels that are suffering mentally, all were laughing so hard. Many of them were crying and laughing and doubled over in their wheelchairs and laughing. And so the staff people are all standing there from the back. They're looking, they're going, I've never seen this happen before. And I said, this, my friend, is a worship experience of where we allow the Holy Spirit to enter this room that will speak their language. They are deplete of humor. Mm. They are deplete of something to laugh at. And what that did was one woman, finally we ended by singing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And this one woman who has been known at Emily Bissell Hospital for speaking four-letter words, expletive deletives, and just really gone to town, she stood to her feet and sang with me word for word with tears streaming down her face. And the staff looked at me and said, we have never seen her do that before. Mm. Now, what is the difference? The difference was they laughed. It was like the cleansing of their bone marrow. Mm. It was like a rejuvenation as you talked about what happens to the brain. And I'm telling you, it was, we, we left that place that day. Jeff and I hardly talked for an hour after we got in the car because we knew we experienced something supernatural. Mm. Don't ever think humor is not uh it's just something that we throw in um i i know that there are pastors and and i you know 
some of my favorite pastors in the whole world, they start off with a joke or they start off with something funny before they get into their pa- to their message. And they have to qualify it. Yeah. They have to say, well, I want to throw this in. And, but no, I say to them, listen, you, you don't realize, but humor is the one magnet that we have in speaking hmm. as well as ministry in music and also in, in, in books is the one magnet that reaches everybody. It just doesn't reach the Christian. It reaches the unsaved. It reaches people that don't have the same, uh, you know, frame of reference. Perfect mm-hmm. example. I went to Malaysia and I told Jeff, I said, oh man, I hope they get my humor over there. You know, cause I don't know when you go sure. in and out of countries, you don't know if they're going to get you or not. Sure. And so Jeff said, if you just tell your stories about raising kids and what it's like. And I said, I forget what it was. I said, I said, you know, kids today don't really want to depend on grandmom anymore. Grandmom, when, when I was raising my kids, I went to my mother and my grandmother to tell me how to do things. And then people say to me, what do you want to be called? Do you want to be called grandma, grandmama, my mom? Dad, you know, I say, no, I want to be called Google <laughs> because that's, that's who they're calling. <laughs> they're, call, they're calling oh. Google. And you know what? That, that goes worldwide mm, because yeah, everybody is online. You got to know what everybody has in common first. Hmm. What are the connection pieces, regardless of race, regardless of belief system? What is the connection piece? That's why America's funniest home videos go crazy yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Everybody desperately needs a good belly laugh. And I'm telling you, it's health for your bones and it brings joy to your soul. Hmm. And it's very engaging. And if it's done right, if it's done right, it can be very healing, just like that woman in Emily Bissell Hospital. Wow. I love that. Humor is a magnet. I love that. I'm going to write that down. Also, you've been privileged, Sue, and I want to ask you a couple of things on a little more serious note. You've been privileged your whole life to, to really have two key things, like you said, that offer windows open the soul. One is music. Another is humor. I find that very, what a gift God really entrusted to you to say, I'm not going to just give you one window, but two ways, like you said to, cause I got goosebumps when you told that story of, about the hospital. There's when, when you, when the, when music touches the heart and the soul or humor, something opens up in those moments. Like you said, that doesn't happen in other ways. Right. I don't sing a lot, but I have been known to sing in certain situations. Uh, Holy Spirit gave me this lyric that says, laughter opens the door. And then from the scripture in Psalms, it says, sing, O heart to God Mm. and thank him to his face. Your nights of fear are dwindling with joy of gladness. And Mm -hmm. so every day when I think about what laughter does, it's got me through some real depression. It's got me through some real tough times. And here's the the surprising part that maybe not a lot of people know. And I've had conversations with comedians like Mark Lowry. We spent an hour together one day. And when I came home, Jeff said, how did it go? I said, we didn't laugh one minute. Mm. All we did, we looked at each other in the eyes and we cried with each other. And we talked about the seriousness of what we are as comedians. And I said, there's a, there's a hunger. There's a great hunger for people to find something that is real and there's something about humor and in my case the self-deprecating humor i love to make fun of myself same yep i get it yeah yep so it kind of peels off that layer that we all kind of 
wear, that external film that kind of keeps us guarded. I feel like humor disarms, music mm -hmm. disarms, it kind of cuts through all of that. And I, and I want to ask you something kind of on a serious note. You, at any point, you've been in ministry a long time, we both have, and, and we've seen ups and downs, we've seen disappointments. It hasn't all been funny, even though right, we can right. laugh. It's certainly right. not all been funny seasons, and we could talk right. about some heart-wrenching things. Speak, especially to those who might be younger than us, Sue, speak mm -hmm. to the value of longevity. Mm -hmm. What has helped you to just stay consistent, you and Jeff consistent in ministry, weathering ups and downs, because you don't always see that now. You see people quitting, you see people giving up. I'd love to know some of what you would say about that. Well, right now I live in the city of quitters. Nashville, Tennessee, as hyped as it is, is where people come with dreams and, and great, great dreams. And they, they try something for a year or two and then the next thing you know, they quit hmm. or they can't, or they can't make money at it. So coming here and I had one of my dear friends who was a great writer say to me, Oh, Sue, I don't know. You know, you were a big fish in a little pond up there in South Jersey. Now you're moving to the entertainment capital of the world. You're going to be a little baby fish in a huge fishbowl of creatives and writers and singers and comedians. How are you going to make it? You know how I made it? Never getting off course hmm. with what my initial anointing is. Not worrying about publicists, not worrying about promotion, not worrying about marketing, not worrying about all the things that they think in this culture is important. And mm -hmm. I think we talked a little bit offline before this that most churches today, when they're hiring staff, it used to be years ago, they would hire an assistant pastor or a youth pastor first or a children's pastor. Now they're hiring marketing gurus, which is wonderful because we need to know how to do that online. But what, what has that done to us as a generation of believers? I think what it's done is we're promoting things that have no substance. Mm. And when you promote something that has no substance, it doesn't last very long. Mm. I thank God every single day, Angela, that there are name people, I mean, household names that you and I would know that, that will call, that will email me and will, I will spend time with them and I never have the need to promote it. I never have the need to talk about it because I know they're personal and I know these are wonderful, wonderful, gifted and talented singers and writers, but they need somebody that has done it for a while and is and not necessarily in it for the dollar. Mm. but in it for the longevity of reaching people for Jesus. So our longevity might not have gotten us on any major platforms, but I think the major platform that it did promote us to is that longevity of consistency and that longevity of, of staying and sticking to your anointing. What mm -hmm. good is writing great music if you're not anointed? Mm. What, what good is it to write a book if there's not an anointing on your life? And I know we can't teach anointing, but we can direct the younger generation to say, hey, I love that you spent four hours, you know, in worship band practice. I love the fact that you got the lights all right. And I'm praising God that you got the PowerPoint good. But how many hours did you spend also mm -hmm. praying for God's anointing in your life? Mm. That, my friend, is the most powerful thing. Yep. And, and I think if you seek notoriety, 
over longevity, you can really get twisted up. God can, God can elevate. He, he gives platforms. But I think right. if we're chasing that as opposed to God, what is my greatest usefulness? How can you, I remember Sue as yeah. a little girl, I know we joke that we bleed AG, but yeah. as a little girl, I would, I can remember going to that altar and praying, God, I just want oh, you yeah. to use me. I just want you to use me. And I think if that remains our core prayer, God, I want you to use me, then in whatever way, shape or form he does that, you know, we don't hear much about the person that led Billy Graham to the Lord. We hear about Billy Graham's ministry. That's right. And I think there's going to be a lot of people in heaven with more jewels in their crown than we think they're oh, going to have. Right. And we never heard their name. We never mm -hmm. knew what they did. But there's, mm -hmm. there's such value in saying, God, I just want to be used by you in whatever way you choose to anoint my life. And, you know, he anoints us. Sometimes the, the how we do that shifts, just like you were That's saying, right. I led worship for 20 years and I could tell yeah. when God was shifting me out of doing that full time. I started writing as an author and speaker, but it doesn't mean your anointing lifts. No. It just changes right. for a different purpose. Perfect. He anoints Perfect. you. That's and right. then he, you may feel the season shifting. But that's a very different thing than what happened like in Saul's life or Samson, where they didn't even know the anointing had left them. That's right. That was, I, that's I can't imagine, thing. Sue, anything more heartbreaking than to still be plugging away and the anointing has lifted off of your life. That is the, that is that, that fear of God, that, that motivation for me, God, I, I never mm -hmm. want to be out of your will. Yeah. Right. If that rises at the top, Sue, the other things will take care right. of themselves, right? Oh, oh and there, and, and I have, you know, just a few years ahead of you on that one. I have to say you're, you're definitely, well, I've always known this about you, but you're on the right track because it's not about, it, we live in a unfortunate era sometimes in the church where our gifts are more magnified than the giver. Mm. And so if we could just focus, this is what's kept us centered. Jeff and I were not perfect. You know that we're, mm. we're lunatunes. And if you go on my ubiquitous podcast, you're going to find out just how loony we really are. Mm. But here's the point. The point is this, is that we, I know I'm married to an incredibly gifted man. I mean, there are, there are piano players and then there are piano players. Yeah. But I also know the man behind the scenes and I know his heart. And you and I both know, how many musicians have you known in your lifetime where you take away, you take away that gift or they have a, an injury in their hand or they have something and, and they're like lost. Yeah. They're lost in a lost world. And mm -hmm. so I had for a while, my voice was really not doing well. And uh, last year I got violently ill with some sort of uh, cryptic spiritidium. I remember thing. that. I remember yeah, that. And, and it went into my lungs and I, I just, I couldn't sing. I couldn't do anything, but you know what I could do? I could sit at my computer and I could write and I could blog and I could bring people into the arena of where I was. And it wasn't that I was trying to complain or draw attention to me. I just wanted, I wanted them to know that it doesn't matter to me what I do. What matters to me is who I am in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the quitters of life who get disillusioned because their gifting didn't take off like they like is because most of their efforts have been in promoting the gift. Mm. And if you go back to the giver and say, Father, 
because I've done, goodness, I've done 12 things in my life, but they've all been centered around the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I think he will give more, especially to the younger generation that are so far advanced than I am when it comes to technology. Another thought, and I'll quit, but I feel like our generation has the theology. The new generation has the technology. Mm. But you know what happens if you could ever bring those two together? Wow. Think about the power of that. And Mm. I think we're experiencing that right now. Right now during your podcast, we're experiencing your theology, my theology, of course, and then God's incredible theology of of reaching people. But Mm. we're using the technology. So we can't put all of our eggs into one basket. I've learned that. And I've often tried to figure out ways to, you know, how do we generate income? Like right now, mm-hmm. I had 18 events cancel right. in this, you With know, the COVID. pandemic, yeah. Yeah. COVID. And then who knows what's coming? We don't know. And you know what, Angela? All I can say, and my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Mm-hmm. I have had people that out of, out of nowhere send us checks in the mail or get on my PayPal account and just send me $50. Here's, here's some money for groceries today. You can't, I can't base that on a gift that I have. I have to base that on the source. And that is the, the, the incredible Holy spirit that has given us our source. And um, I'm just humbled by it all. Wow. There's yep. so much great insight there. I, as you started to say it, I thought, oh my goodness, she's going she's gonna to talk about the two sides of the coin and marry those. Theology without technology doesn't go very far, but technology without theology is hollow. So if we can, right. like you said, if we can, I imagine, Sue, if Paul was alive today, oh, he'd have a podcast, no he'd be yep. on social media, he'd be like, you know what I mean? Because he said, That's I'm right. going to use all means. All, all means. So that by some of, I'm going to win some by everything at my disposal, but his theology was solid and he waited Mm -hmm. for the time he met Jesus on the Damascus road. He spent years waiting for God to elevate him and God will elevate you and promote you in the way he wants that to look in his timing. If we will seek the giver more than the gift. And speaking of income, I want everyone to buy your book. Oh, you're so nice. (laughs) I'm going to have you pray over everyone in just a minute. Oh, I'd love it. I want to keep talking forever, but I know we got to wrap up, but tell them where we can find it. And what's the main thing you want them to get out of your book, Subiquitous? They can get it at suedufield.com or Amazon and uh, either one. But if if you buy it from the suedufield.com site, I've been known to throw little treasures in like highlighting Aww. something or writing a special message in the book or whatever. And like um, they're $12 and that includes shipping and they can get on suedufield.com for that. But what I want the, mo- the most takeaway from it without giving away the ending. Uh, it's a journey that I met this wonderful Malaysian Buddhist gal named Mei Chen on a flight from Atlanta to Seoul, Korea. And we hit it off on the plane. And all I'm going to say to you is that this woman opened up my eyes about the gospel. I don't know how a Buddhist could do that, but she did. And I was able to also to witness to her in the end and, and share her my love for Christ. But it just became such a supernatural event that at the very, very end of the book, something that only God could do to get my attention through Mei Chen. That's the, that's the current story. But the backstory, there's like a story weave that goes while you're reading it. 
it's also telling a little bit of my life story, a little bit of how I grew up in South Jersey, how I grew up as that uh, precocious little tomboy who wanted so much to find new ways and inventive, and actually back then, inventive ways to, to share the gospel of Jesus. I, I was that radical Jesus freak in high school and led a lot of my friends to the Lord. Now, what's fun now is that through Facebook, of course, and our, and our social media platforms, I have a lot of my friends that I grew up with that find me again, and they'll say, we are not surprised. <laughs> We're just so grateful that we found you, and you're still doing that same thing. You're still radical for Jesus. You were pushing the envelope back then. You're really pushing it now. Wow. <laughs> so, and that's what I think. My confidence is not in me. My confidence comes through Christ. And the book will absolutely be a great book. Oh, you'll love this one. I had 30 women in a atheist book club order my book. Wow. And they used it for one of their, uh, they have every year they do a special outside the box feature. And one of the gals in their atheist book club outside of Baltimore wrote me a letter and she said, Sue, I know this sounds weird, but we would like to feature your book on our, on our book club circuit. And they got together and discussed it. And what really, you know what the most questions that I got were about the miracles that I shared. Mm. One miracle was when we were out of gas on interstate 81, had nowhere to go, no gas, no nothing. Jeff and I pulled off the side of the road, off the exit. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, we see a light and there's a gas pump. And we say, that's weird. And it was like a, an old broken down gas station. We pull up and it had one of those things that you could put dollar bills in it. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a true story. We had, fortunately, we had $5 in cash. We put $5 in, filled up our van, got back on route 81. And then two to three months later, we got off that same exit. And do you think we could find that station? <gasps> we, we could not find that gas pump. We couldn't find anything. Now, here's what's really weird. I got on the internet. My son says, Mom, what, was, what year was that? I said, that was probably 1976. He said, Mom, I don't think anything like that was even made then. And sure mm. enough, there was no such thing. Not until like the mid-80s before an automated gas tank was created for dollar bills. Now, you oh, tell wow. me if that's, not a, if that's not a supernatural act of God. I don't know what is. And I think sometimes, Sue, because we talk a lot on this podcast about discovering miracles, I think we're always looking for the really huge mountaintop miracles. But if we're open to it, the miraculous is available to us on a daily That's basis. Right. Even That's like you right. said, the miracle of humor that he said, you know, I can be glad. I mean, there's so many scriptures about it. And, and how he wants us to go through life. He doesn't want us to go through life trudging and no. barely surviving. There's no, I think sometimes, and I'm not trying to knock a former generation, but I think there was a mentality at some point that the more sour faced we looked, somehow the more holy we were, <laughs> instead of saying, I can love the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, and be full of the joy right. of the Lord. That's and that right. should be what strengthens us. And so for me, I've been able to watch your life for many years now. I've admired yeah. you. Yeah. I adore you for many, many, many reasons for your perseverance, your voice that is so needed in, in every generation for your 
willingness to trailblaze and, and keep finding innovative ways to be a creative and inspire everyone, but especially me as a woman. So I'm hoping everyone who listens will get that takeaway. Now your podcast, where can they find, that's probably it's, everywhere, right? I know Spotify is, right. and iTunes and the whole gamut, right? It really is. Uh, I think uh, as we speak right now, there's other some other formats too, but you can get okay. it on, of course, iTunes. And there's another, uh, an Android way that they have an Android app for podcasts, but it, it is called Subiquitous Podcasts. Okay. And uh, by the time this is aired, it will probably will be well into season one. Uh, I hope that they'll go back because if they, <laughs> every, every podcast, I wish I could tell you, we have a theme. We don't have a theme. It just, we just, we just let it rip. Just go with it. Yeah. And it's just been so much fun. And I did go back in my archives on a couple of things of some speaking things that I've done and I've incorporated that from a, mm. a live perspective. So but my, my main goal is that laughter doeth good like medicine. And if, if we don't really believe that and we don't have an, a hunger for that, boy, something needs to change mm. because we're all born with that. Although I know not everybody has the same sense of humor. I have really a, a total sacrilegious sense of humor. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> It's, but it's, it's just a unique, necessary voice. I was yeah. like, I have got to get Sue on this podcast. I mean, we can, we can yeah. love the Lord and still laugh. That's the thing. It's right. not some either no. or proposition. It it's, is not. That's right. In fact, of all things, wh why don't we want to be the most contagious people on the planet? Christians right. should be the most contagious people on the planet, full That's of right. love, full of joy. It doesn't mean that we don't go through difficulty. No. And we have the theology, like you said, that, that depth to us, but let's, life is hard enough. It's yeah. serious enough. This year has been poop on a That's stick. Right. Yes, we want really 20, That's go right. away 2020. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> but all the more reason yeah. we need yeah. to we need right. to laugh. We need yeah. to, to, and then we need to encourage one another to use the gift that God has given them. So thank you, Sue, for using oh, your gift you, and the way you've blessed us. And I want to invite you to pray for our listeners. I Is there anything else you want to share before you pray for us, Sue? Just one, one comment that I make usually at, at the end of every event, what you laugh about defines you hmm. and what you cry about refines you. And what you pray about assigns you, but the best one, what you give to God aligns you. Wow. And those four things have just kept me focused. And I would love to pray hmm. for every, every ear that is listening to this podcast today. Father, I just, I just glory in your presence, first of all. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are unworthy. But God, you make us worthy through your spirit and through your love and for your care and grace. Thank you, God, for allowing us to push the envelope a little bit today. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the freedom to feel like that's okay. Thank you, Lord, for just never holding back your promise to us that greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. And sometimes the world can just overtake us and think that they're all that. But God, we're just grateful today that you're our Papa God. You're the ultimate Google of all, Lord, that we can just reach out to you and say, God, I need you today. And for everyone listening right now who does not know you 
and know your son, Jesus. Lord, I ask you right now to just go into their hearts and into their minds and into their thoughts, O oh Lord, and cleanse them from all unrighteousness, both seen and unseen. And God, give them the strength to be able to speak for you in their own personality, in the way that you've made them, Lord. You're not asking us to be other people. You're asking us to be truly who we are, called according to your purpose. And God will be sure to give you all the praise and all the honor. And I thank you, God, for Angela. I thank you for her family, her kids. Lord, I thank you for her ministry as she does this every day, God, speaking to people and loving on them. I ask you, Lord, that you'll bring us back together again. And in the meantime, we'll just keep laughing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioBOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.